Smith is an Audio Wool original. This episode of Fright Day is brought to you by Spring Hill Jack Coffee. You need great coffee. Jack delivers. Visit springhilljack.coffee. I'm excited that you actually gave a shit and looked into something connected to my report. It's going to make me cry. I'm so excited. Well, calm down. Don't cry. Oh my God. Don't do it. Don't do it. I love that she tried to blame us fixing the mic last week. Well, I haven't touched it. I haven't done well, anything to it. Of course it was our fault. Since you guys did it last, like, it's not like I sat here and after you guys left and I came know. in here, it's like, I'm going to twist this cord around. I'm going to really piss I, those I, guys I, off. Well, I hope you didn't. is Fright Day. I'm your host, Byron. Being in the public eye can be grueling, frustrating, and depressing, even more so when you're part of a famous family. But what about the relatives hidden behind the curtain? Is the lack of spotlight and respect enough to drive someone mad? Find out tonight as we review Billy Elliot's Clara's Ghost, and we continue to exhume a worldwide network of sinister conspiracies and backroom string pulling. It's the Skull and Bones Part 2 in this week's edition of Kelly's Cryptids and Conspiracies. I'm joined tonight by Kelly. Hello. And Sam. You like how we just said hello that time and I didn't even insert anything? I just, I just said hello. Because Sam is here. Hey, guys. And Jamie, yell. Hi. Oh, that was a good yell. Well, guys, Channel Zero has been canceled. No, it hasn't. Yes, it mm-hmm. has. Are you serious? Unfortunately, Sci-Fi has canceled the horror anthology series after four seasons, according to the showrunner Nick and Tosca. After four seasons, Channel Zero is no more on Sci-Fi. I loved making the show and would have loved to do it more, but I can't complain too much after doing four stories I loved with people I loved working with. Okay, come on, Netflix. Somebody pick this up. That's what I was going to say. Do you think this is going to find another home? God, I hope so. I mean, I knew I was late to the game, but it's really good. Yeah, we really blew it because apparently after the first season, which came out in 2016, it was the most watched season with an average of 543,000 same-day viewers. This most recent season, which apparently aired over six consecutive nights in October, October averaged only 265,000 well, viewers a night. why would they do six consecutive nights? It's the weirdest idea ever. Yeah, it sounds like they dumped it. Either release it all at once or do it weekly. Nobody... God, that's well, stupid. It sounds like he had a lot more, at least partially fleshed out, borrowed from other creepypastas. <laughs> Which is, of course, the subject matter. The origin, matter. yeah, of the four seasons that we do have of Channel Zero. I, I, I mean, Shudder is like an obvious... Ooh, I like that too. Let's email Sam. I bet he hasn't heard about it. Let's Sam tell Zimmerman, him. of course. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's totally oblivious it, to this. Yeah, it airs, it airs on Shutter. That, yeah, that's actually one of the I mean, we'll, we'll tell streaming him exclusively on Shutter. Yeah, no. Butcher's Block, I thought, went to Shutter before anywhere else. Well, I mean, it must go to Sci-Fi first, right? Well, I would imagine. I do think they have their own streaming service. They do. But, uh, uh, they that's have. What I'm saying. You have jumped on top of everything. <laughs> Stop it, please! My God! I didn't mean to. I, I, I'm going to miss this show. I know that we just started watching it kind of collectively at the same time after Halloween this year. Did you ever finish I have not. Mm -mm. Nope. Haven't even started the final season. Now I'm going to cherish it. You're going to really like the butcher's block. Oh my God. Uh, That's not the final season. I just realized. Oh God. He wrote the forest, you guys. 
the bad one? Yeah. Well, he's much better at Channel Zero. <sighs> well, I'm not going to say he deserved this, but... <laughs> he didn't deserve this. All right, well, I'm just saying. I Stop it. I actually said I don't think he deserved yeah, it. Yeah, but that's what you say when you really think something, that's, but you're just going to not say it. That's pretty true. By saying that you're not going to say it, and you actually we'll said see. it then. Hulu, Shudder, Netflix. Shudder first, then Netflix, then Hulu. Okay, someone's got to Who's his agent? Let's call his agent. I don't, we don't really need to involve ourselves directly, but I would say if you haven't started the series, now, now would be a good time, and maybe we can start one of those petition things. I'm sure there's something somewhere already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we need to see more humans covered in teeth. Mm, that was so creepy. Amen. First season was a lot of fun. Whoa. Yeah, Craig McNeil, I think, did that season. Mm-hmm. The boy. The good one. Have you guys been watching anything? Doing anything? Yes. What? Yes. All right. Do you know what I watched today? Uh, I hope it's True Detective season three. No, because everybody else is watching that. You don't want to be part of that crap. No, I actually do. It's supposed to be amazing. But that's, again, one of those things that I have to sit down and watch with Sam. And he's just so opposed to sitting down and watching things. It's just sitting down and doing anything. Okay, so I watched 2017's The Mummy. (laughs) (laughs) Look at that face. I did. Don't be so proud of yourself. You're talking about the Tom Cruise vehicle. Okay, but it's not just Tom Cruise. It also has Nick. Jake Johnson. From New Girl. Girl. We all know. And it it also has, uh, what's her name from Peaky Blinders? You are the least prepared. No, you don't understand. I, I think I'm having mini strokes because my brain keeps forgetting words and forgetting things. I couldn't say surfboard the other day for like 30 seconds. I was sitting there trying. We live in the Rocky Mountains. Why do this, you need that word? I was really in this important Let meeting with this woman and I couldn't remember the word surfboard. surfboard. And All I was right. like, uh, scuba. <laughs> so I think I'm having these mini strokes. Right. Anyhow, the point is, what's the main chick's name? Are you talking the, about Annabelle Wallace? What's her part? In, uh, Jenny Halsey. In Peaky Bees? Oh, I don't know. No. I, just, I don't know. Anyhow, she's from Peaky Bees. And then it's also got the real angry guy from The Gladiator. I'm going to quit the show. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to do it. Okay. The thing is, everybody knew it was horrible. So by the time I watched it, I was expecting it to be really bad. It was really fun and you entertaining. About Russell Crowe? Yes, the angry guy from The Gladiator. <laughs> he throws phones and things. I think we need to take you to the hospital. Something's wrong. I actually think something probably is wrong, oh but it's okay. God. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It was really entertaining. It was kind of like a spookier Indiana Jones. Okay, that makes sense. It was fun. I don't know if anybody else around the table actually ever watched it. I... It's on HBO Go right now. For those of you with your parents' login information, I recommend you check it out. Because Good old time. I didn't like Tom Cruise before your Scientology report. I was in and out of the room while Kelly was watching this, and just his very appearance sets my teeth on edge now. Yeah, I, he just He's a repugnant quasi-human. But Nick from The New Girl is like the best character ever. You gotta just love him. Anything that he's in, you just go, oh yeah, I'll You know what that. else we watched? Oh, yeah, we watched Project Blue Book, too. Come on, Dan, just beyond those trees! Come on, this way! The whole forest smelled like death. Lord Almighty. And then saw that thing. As God is my witness, it was not of this world. Yay, you were so excited about it. It was really fun. You sat down and watched it for a whole hour. It's multiple one-hour episodes? Yeah. It's a traditional series format on uh, the History Channel. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Don't they just uh, yeah, I know. pawn off things and, I, I and know. go into storage units? And, and everybody that has a reality show, it's like the History Channel jinx. Like, you're going to be a pedophile, sexual monster of some kind if you have. Of course, maybe it has something to do with the kind of people that they give shows to. Ooh, anyway. 
No, it was great. Really high production values. I mean, one of the things that I thought was funny, so there's a UFO encounter with a fighter plane, which I think is done pretty well, but obviously it's for TV. It's not cinematic quality. The Fuller dogfight? It's based on the Gorman dogfight, which actually gave me an idea for an episode that I need to do soon because I'd never even heard of the Gorman dogfight, and it's a thing, and it's awesome. What's this dogfight look like? Basically, there's an Air Force squadron that's performing maneuvers over the heartland of America. They get finished with whatever it was they're doing, and this one hotshot decides he's going to stay out a little while longer to do a flyover of his old alma mater uh, high school football game which he does he buzzes the field and everyone's woo then immediately after that he encounters and engages a ufo you know it doesn't end well for him so that's kind of the establishing sequence of the series and hold on you say it didn't end well for him that makes it sound like he dies he doesn't no, die I didn't, well, who knows I people didn't. might need to tune in to find out yeah oh okay uh, right it follows with the air force's engagement of j allen hynek to basically rubber stamp their reports that explained away any sightings of ufos that this new project blue book investigated which was you know kelly is that basically accurate it is and in fact byron you would know J. Allen Hynek as the gentleman who invented swamp gas as the explanation oh, for UFOs. That's right. That was him. Love him. He's like my patron saint. But spoiler like alert, spoiler Allen alert. Hynek necklace. He is my patron saint too because he started out as a crazy skeptic and then after seeing enough of these cases, he's like, yeah, these are 100% real. Something is going on. It's not from this world. And he became as much a believer as the me. And I don't think we've ever properly covered Project Blue Book. We talked about the Majestic 12. Right, we need to do Blue Book in general. Did we cover Blue Book? Why do I feel like we talk more about Blue Book? Maybe we didn't. Okay, Please we'll don't do dangle it. your necklace into the microphone. It's my Nessie Bigfoot necklace. I know that. Everyone's seen it. Do you know it. how bad my days are when I forget to wear this? No, Project Blue Book was the Air Force's endeavor to explain away all sightings of anything that was unidentified. That's right. And basically to sweep things under the rug. But they found the truth maybe was out there you know what i'm thinking i actually talked about it a decent amount in roswell maybe that's why i'm thinking that we actually covered it but i think you're right we didn't actually cover just it so i will put it on the list okay i loved the first episode of project blue book it reminded me so much of some of the sci-fi type shows from the early 2000s or maybe even the late 90s really dark skies my name is john lowengard i'm recording this because we may not live through the night they're here which aired in 1996, 97, I think, on NBC, a UFO conspiracy show. It, it was it was canceled out for two seasons. We didn't ever get any resolution, but I felt like the production values kind of harken back to that. And I mean that in a good way. Like I said, not cinematic, but it just kind of gave me a warm feeling of those 90s first attempts at CG carried forward a little bit. One of the things that I thought was, like, I got off on this tangent when we were talking about the UFO chase and dogfight. One of the places that the CG was most evident, and I thought this was really funny and kind of sad also for different reasons, the 1950s window dressing, like the cars on the streets, like anything that had to be from the 1950s or 40s, actually, I guess late 40s. Was CG'd? Yeah, it was CG'd. Oh, I mean, wow. they had you know a few, like the main character's cars were real, but all the other cars in the neighborhood maybe weren't real. And I thought that was like a sad commentary, not on, on the film, but just like, wow, I mean, I'm that old that it's really, 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 really hard to find Kenty cars anymore because they've all rusted into nothing. I didn't even notice that. Was it really that bad? I totally didn't notice. I'm so surprised Kelly didn't notice some bad CG. Fuck you. Anyway, I really was surprised and pleasantly so about the warm feelings I got from 
Project Blue Book. So you guys just caught episode one, right? Yep. Just yesterday, the Flatwoods Monster episode aired, and I haven't heard anything about it, but check out Seth Breedlove's Flatwoods Monster before or after. I'm going to email Seth and ask him what he thought of that episode. I, I've heard a lot about this series. Now I'm even more interested. So. Woohoo! I haven't uh, watched anything, guys. I, uh... Yes, you did. Wait, what did I watch? Oh, no. <laughs> talking about male order brides? Basically. Gotcha. I wrote a best man speech, and uh, whether or not it goes well could be frightening. It's going to go great. Thanks, I appreciate it. But I do know for a fact that there's a group of rich, uh, can I call them bullies? I think we can. It's the Skull and Bones Part 2 in this week's edition of Kelly Scripted's and Conspiracies. Yeah, boniest elbows out there. Kelly's Scripted's and Conspiracies. Oh, wait, finish that mouthful of chocolate. You can take your time. It's got dried cherries in it. Oh, I'm kind of sticking to my teeth. Oh, okay. Good. That's, that's good. Okay. Last week, everyone, we learned a ton about the Skull and Bones, their nefarious beginnings, a little bit about what their clubhouse looks like. Aside from that creepy clubhouse, there's another location that almost all Skull and Bones members visit at some point in time. And this is an island called Deer Island. Strangely not exactly close to Yale. It's closer to New York. It's on the river. Not nearly as fancy as you might imagine. Obviously, we will have pictures of Deer Island in the show notes of this episode of Friday.com. It kind of reminded me of the Playboy Mansion a little bit. Like, just everyone's like, ooh, but really it's just, ugh. Playboy Mansion then or Playboy Mansion now? Oh, now, for sure. Well, what's interesting to me about it is it used to be way fancier, but... I don't know, there was a fire or something. Hmm. As Atlas Obscura describes it, it is a rundown hangout for drunk college kids. It looks a little fancier than that. I mean, that may be, you know, in terms of super rich kids, this seems like a rundown hangout. It's kind of cool. It's a 50-acre island, and they own the whole island. It's given to the organization in, like, 1949, and it's their private retreat. So every person, supposedly, who joins the Skull and Bones visits the island as part of their induction ceremony. Most of that ceremony takes place on campus, which we'll talk about in a minute, but part of it is visiting this unit. There are three ruins on the island. Each of them are from old cottages that have since burnt down kind of creepy sounds like a bunch of irresponsible idiots it's basically rich kids going and partying i haven't been able to uncover anything super interesting about what happens there but it is an island that they get all to themselves who knows maybe there's some underground stuff going on because everyone knows that every conspiracy and secret society also has underground bunkers do you think they have security they must have some kind of security because it isn't busted into, so I'm not really yeah. sure exactly. Well, should we send our listeners to check it out? That's a Go great... Go forth. Anyone close to Alexandria, New York, please check it out. I mean, everyone needs a cool Catskills hangout, right? Go dig in. Case it if it seems possible. We will mail you a crowbar and whatever else you need. I mean, I don't know that we'll do that. I feel like that really... It's probably expensive. And a lot like Donald Trump says, we will pay for your lawyer fees when you get arrested for trespassing. And we will serve you Burger King on silver plates. (laughs) No, a crowbar. I said we'd buy a crowbar. We're not buying lawyers. Just like Trump probably wouldn't pay for their lawyers either. Chances are very good that he won't. Pretty cool place. As much as Deer Island may not sound super interesting, let me tell you the ritual that these bonesers... Go through. <laughs> Do you like that solution? I don't, I don't know. Bonesers? Yep. I think the that... ritual that these bonesers go through in order to become members is a lot less boring than that. 
15 new members every year, juniors, are chosen supposedly shortly before graduation. They're tapped. Literally, people come up and tippity tap, tap, tap them on the shoulder uh, and tell them, you're bondsman. And typically... Wait, what did they say? You're bondsman. Uh, clearly, though, please. You're a bonesman? You're a bonesman. I really? don't know if that's what they actually say. I'm just saying that. I don't know what the verbiage is. I was never tapped. Okay, okay. Never even been on the campus of Yale. Gabba, Gabba, one of us, one of us. The theory is the 15th to be chosen is the fanciest, most prestigious, amazing one. So it's not like kickball where the last one picked is like, oh, God. Wait, what? Sorry, no, that was me. Don't even try. You were never picked last for kickball. I wasn't picked at all. Never Six played. foot four, you got picked first for everything, I'm sure. you. 15 new members every year. No confirmed statement about rituals exists, but there is a lot of information out there, including a short video with a lot of screaming that is difficult to understand, but we'll walk through it in a minute. I'm going to give you the lowdown on a combination of leaked documents, a report from a gentleman named Rod Rosenbaum that ran an Esquire in the 1970s, a follow-up report that he did in the early 2000s. All of this gives us, I think, as close to the truth as we're going to get, unless, of course, a bonezer decides to call in and let us report on his or her experience with guaranteed anonymity. Of course, we'll even do the fun voice. Really? That's what it sounds like? I don't like? know what he was going to say. Are you me? We won't that show was your bad. face. All right, here's the first part that I can tell you. Initiates lie in a coffin while they're carried through a crypt, while bonesmen chant, Reborn, reborn, reborn. Then they lie naked in a coffin. In some stories, it's actually described as a glass coffin. It's I, I don't really I've know if glass it's that or not. As well, yeah. yeah, and they describe their entire personal sexual history in great detail in a room full of their fellow bonesers. Again, according to differing reports. A number of the accounts that I've heard say that they recite this history while pleasuring themselves. And then afterwards, they get $15,000. Deal. An alternate story says that they merely have to stand in front of a portrait of a woman named Canubial Bliss and recite their entire sexual history to her. Either before or after they jump in a pile of mud, maybe wrestle another initiate, maybe naked, maybe not naked. And in some stories, it's poop, not mud. Oh, gross. Huh. Yeah. What a world we live in. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, it's kind of weird. The idea, supposedly, according to the conspiracy theorists, is if they recite their entire sexual history, then, you know, everybody's got dirt on them. It's kind of what Nexium, that cult in the Northeast, was it Ranieri is his last name? Oh, I don't yeah, know why had, you're uh, asking, like, I would know any well, of this. They've been talking a lot about it recently Who's... in the news because they're about to go to trial, but when you join, they would take pictures of your genital just compromising information that they could disclose if you decide to leave which i guess is kind of the same purpose that yeah the skulls are doing the boners as you call them bonesers bonesers pardon me bonesers yeah i'm, I'm sure that it's so they have a leg up on you mm -hmm. something on you a leg up <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, in April of 2001, Rosenbaum worked with some other students on campus that had night vision cameras to witness at least the outdoor portion of the initiation ritual. That video will be in the show notes of this episode at FrightDay.com. I think it probably makes sense for us to walk through it together a little bit here. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Okay. The quality of the video is bad. Sure. And it ran actually on pretty mainstream news sources when this came out. Kind of all over the place. People were excited about it. It, it doesn't show as much as I would like, unfortunately. 
it's, and it's also a short video. It's only like two minutes. So this is not like the Lacerda interview. You guys can go and check it out briefly. He's come pretty close. She was part of a team that successfully recorded part of the initiation ceremony that takes place in the tomb's courtyard. It also doesn't make sense to me why they would do part of it outside where obviously they could be seen. That seems weird to me. Okay, you have the doorway here. Yeah. Okay, then to the right, you have a hedge, and yeah. then you have um, an evergreen tree. If you follow yeah. that line straight back, courtyard's in there. Oh, okay. So, so that's where they have the ceremonies in The, the outdoor thing. part of it. Part of it was indoors. So we only got to see the outdoor part. Right. We only got to, and, and to listen to the outdoor part. God only knows what went on indoor. Outside, some of the footage right now is showing that there are these people, like, laying down on the ground. There appears to be somebody in a toga standing over them. And he's yelling. What did you hear? What, what was it you know? You managed to get this unique Oh, it was disgusting. It. it was gross. I mean, they were pretending to murder people. And what was the tone of it, though? Was it, was it jokey? Or was it quite no, it wasn't jokey at all. It was, it was sick. It's about the only thing to describe it. It was sick. What you're hearing is the first recording ever made of the Skull and Bones initiation ceremony. It has never been broadcast before. Making motions like he's stabbing them. Uh, or flailing with a whip or something. And then they're bending over and like kissing something and I can't tell if it's like... It's butts. It could be. Fifteen new members of the club are being introduced into the macabre rituals of Skull and Bones by the senior students who are about to graduate. The club has what some might see as a strange fascination with death, skulls and bones. There's the chance too, difficult to hear first of all, but including the devil equals death, and death equals death. So it's, it's weird, but... To me it sounds like a college-aged black metal band practicing. To be perfectly honest, it seems pretty stupid, but, but if I it also... was a band, it'd be pretty good. Well, I also feel like if there's something actually interesting they're doing, they're not going to be doing that part of it outside. It's not in an unpopulated area. Well, I mean, there aren't that many students at Yale. It's a small campus, and New Haven's not like a giant town or anything. I don't know, but I just think that the interesting stuff we aren't actually getting a glimpse at. I do, however, think that some of the words that they use are rather interesting, which is why we're going to talk about those a little bit more. Rod gave a little bit more detail showing that some of them actually dressed up in costumes. One of them was given the character of George W., yelled some type of a quote about, I'm going to ream you like I reamed Al Gore. I'm going to kill you like I killed Al Gore. Privileged Skull and Bones members mocked the assault on Abner Luima. Who's Abner Luima? Uh, he's a Haitian who was assaulted, brutalized, and forcibly sodomized with a broken oh, off broom yeah. handle by officers in the New York the State NYPD, Police Department. Yeah. So they make fun of that, which is super cool, hmm. um, and yell, take that plunger out of my ass. They also apparently hurl obscene sexual insults like, Lick my bum hole, which I don't know if that's just like a Beavis and Butthead reference or... It seems pretty mild compared to the other stuff that they're doing and saying. And apparently... Skull and Bones is a PG-13 organization. Lick my bum hole, you yeah. jerk. Apparently what they are kneeling and kissing is supposedly a skull that's put at the feet of the initiators. And then, yeah, they act out this throat-cutting ritual murder thing. 
Huh. The most fun part, in my opinion, is that they all get nicknames, which get really complicated and super academic. I'm going to get into this very briefly. But many Bones rituals persona are taken from Lawrence Stern's Tristam Shandy. What the hell is that? Well, I bet Sam knows. No, I have never heard of that. Oh, God, that makes me feel so much better. I didn't know either. Here's what Wiki has to say about it. It purports to be a biography of the eponymous character. Its style is marked by digression, double entendre, and graphic devices. Stern had read widely, which is reflected in Tristram Shandy. Many of his similes, for instance, are reminiscent of the works of the metaphysical poets of the 17th century, and the novel as a whole, with its focus on the problems of language, has constant regard to John Locke's theories in an essay concerning human understanding. Arthur Schopenhauer cited Tristram Shandy as one of the greatest novels ever written. So essentially, it sounds like a George Carlin reference fest of the 1700s. Well, that clears it all up. Full of wit and allowing those who are familiar with the work to feel very superior to those who are not. I should probably read it so I can feel better than all of you. When new members officially join Skull and Bones, they actually get to take on a new name. It's not just for the initiation, and their Bonesmen will know them as this for the rest of their lives. Some Bonesmen pass down nicknames to younger recruits. Apparently, Louis Lapham, who started Harper's Magazine, did this with the nickname Sancho Panza when he passed it to Tex McCreary, who was a PR specialist. Bonesmen who were most sexually active received the nicknames Magog. I don't know. Sam, what is that? Um, I thought that was a, a, a demon. Like a rapey demon or something? I guess all demons are kind of rapey, aren't they? Is that a thing that demons do? Most demons feel pretty rapey. The second of the seven sons of Japheth mentioned in the Table of Nations in Genesis. I, feel like I don't know. Okay, well, it must have something to do with sexy time because that's the nickname for the man horse anyone with a varsity football captain accolade is known as boaz boaz huh only known one boaz in my life didn't like him (laughs) okay some bonesmen get to pick their own nicknames this is really funny with at least the picture in my head of george w bush whether it was because he was a legacy or what i don't know apparently g-dub was one of the people that got to pick his name but he couldn't think of anything so his fellow Bonesman referred to him as temporary, and then that became his name forever. I kind of like that. I think that's better than all those other stupid names. I, know, I think it's kind of funny. Anyhow, the ritual creeps me out, but what happens afterwards, apparently the influence that these Bonesers have on the world around them and the world around us is what's really creepy. So now we're going to get into some of the conspiracies that they have been very tightly linked to. Do you feel it? That chill? The cold that seeps into your marrow and leaves a trail of invisible frost along your spine? You left that door open, didn't you? Did you? The daylight hours are short now, and the night endless and hungry. The solstice has yet to come, or has it passed? Wasn't there a porch light on at the house across the street? A warm, sepia spot of hope in the emptiness. Wasn't there a house across the street? Is this how it all ends? In mindless, black cold? Now there is only ice, void, and piping hot spring-heeled jack coffee. As you sip from your mug, there is warmth. Maybe spring-heeled jack can turn this around, this infernal cold. Then again, 
It's only sustainably sourced artisanal coffee from a passionate family crafted roaster. It's only coffee. Is it only coffee? It's warm and delicious, and for a moment you thaw as well. You watch out your window through the frosted pane, where now there is nothing. Nothing but you and Spring Hill Jack. Now available on Amazon Prime and at Springhealed, that's S-P-R-I-N-G-H-E-E-L-D, jack.coffee. To kick it off, we're going to talk about the Manhattan Project. Sam, how much do you know about the Manhattan Project? The Manhattan Project was the ultra-secret effort of the U.S. government to build the atomic bombs that were later dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Which ended World War II, at least in that front. And a lot of lives. Do you want to know why it was so secret? Because it was started by people who were really good at secrets. The Bonesers. What? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to walk this back, and believe it or not, to start telling the story, I'm going to begin with 1991, when George Sr. was deciding whether or not to move into Iraq to decimate Saddam Hussein. Okay, so... Here we go. This is a little bit complex. Christmas holidays, 1991. George Sr. spends the entire holidays at Camp David, and most of the time he's reading a new biography about one of his absolute heroes, gentlemen by the name of Henry Stimson. Now, who the hell do you think Henry Stimson is? Well, first off, he's a bonzer. Second off, he basically controlled the military-industrial complex in this country for like 50 years. Very terrifying history of this man. And what's more interesting about him is, unlike a lot of the other bonesers of his time and subsequent times, he got in because of what he did at Yale. He was a really great student. He was a good leader at Yale. He actually didn't come from a rich family. He was a member of the 1888 class of Skull and Bones, but he served seven presidents. Teddy Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Calvin Coolidge, Herbert Hoover, FDR, and Truman. I thought for a second you were going to say he was in college for seven years, and I was going to say he's a regular Van Wilder. Yes, I wish. No, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, do you know I never saw that movie? What is wrong with you? Secretary of War. He was the Secretary of War under FDR and Truman. He oversaw, and according to some reports, was essential in even initiating the Manhattan Project, which, as Sam pointed out, developed the atomic bomb. He also personally decided on the use of that weapon against the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And he had a very interesting relationship with Japan, even though he ordered the dropping of the bomb. It also seems... He was very much against the removal of the Japanese people from America during World War II. Right, and he had some interesting relationships with the... Was it Emperor? Specifically played a role in not deposing the Emperor of Japan after the war ended. It seems like there were some interesting uh, diplomatic ties there that were a little bit strange, according to the rest of the decisions he was making. But apparently all of this does tie back to his Skull and Bones affiliation. Hmm. And this guy really inspired the hell out of George W. and eventually became one of his greatest inspirations for getting involved in the Persian Gulf War. Even though he was dead at that point, he was still controlling presidents. So this guy has basically driven war for like a hundred years in this country. Creepy. Hmm. Bonzer. That's, I mean... Don't you think that's creepy? I feel like that's really creepy. 
you guys. Well, but, I mean, uh, the, the skull and bones is supposed to make these types of people powerful and individual. Right. But when you think about how much power he has exacted, I mean, the rest of these guys have had a lot of power. A few of them have been president. But to basically preside over war under seven presidents? Mm. I mean, that's we're looking at a regular. So much. More than a Dick Cheney. Yes, it is more than a Dick Cheney. By the way, I haven't seen Vice yet. Have you guys seen no, Vice? No, I haven't seen Vice yet. Very excited um, to see it. So just, I mean, I guess the other side of that coin is it's kind of a self-selecting position. His whole process of, you know, earning his way up from wherever, wherever he was into Yale, which is, you know, it very obviously gives a person, if, if you make it there, a leg up. Being a bonesman could have very well been incidental to his rise rather than a causational factor. I don't know. I feel like the friends and connections that he formed with well-established American families, essentially the creepy good old boys network that ran the country and in many ways still does, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't have had those connections without Skull and Bones. I mean, that all came directly through his affiliation there. That's a good point. So the power that that organization had to elevate Stimson and therefore to completely change the trajectory of our place in the international world... Like, that's scary. Skull and Bones, in that respect, even if you aren't a crazy conspiracy theorist, just on the face there, that's a lot of power for one weird organization that does weird things together with glass coffins and togas. You ever think about being Alexa Jones for Halloween? No, but that would that's be really funny. Pretty good costume. I didn't, yeah. God, don't you feel so bad for his kids? I've seen his kid do reports on his show so no i do well, I mean, not but it's only because he's been brainwashed right like so was alex though by his dad the dentist he? oh well, we'll find out all about that pretty soon coming up coming up i do have to say that henry l stimson if he never did anything else that you like he was the one who basically instituted our pressure on the world to bring Nazi war criminals to justice in, in a court system at yes, Nuremberg. But if you look at some of his further background, he probably played a role in creating World War II to begin with as well. Oh, I didn't look that far. He had a lot of influence on that element leading into the war. Again, he was around as far back as Teddy Roosevelt. He was an old hand at this stuff by the time World War II rolled around. Next big political thing that the Bonesers are overtly linked to is the 2004 election. John Kerry versus GW. Who? I know. That's uh, sad uh, for John Kerry. 2004. First time ever two Bonesers run against each other for president. They were asked about it all the time. Dodged the question consistently. Two times where they were actually forced to respond something. Both occurred on Meet the Press with Tim Russert. Okay. So first off, Russert asks Bush about it and Bush says... It's so secret we can't talk about it. And then he asked Carrie what it meant, that both the candidates were bonesmen, and Carrie said, not much, because it's a secret. It's a secret. Ooh. And then they both like changed topics very, very quickly. Yeah. Carrie was a bonesman in 68 and Bush in 66 or vice versa. But with only 15 members per year, they all know each other, especially that close. So it is pretty interesting. I don't know if you guys remember the memes that ran around in 2007 about don't, don't tease me, bro. Don't tease me, bro. Does that sound familiar to anyone? 
anyone. That was the don't tase me, bro. The kid that ran across the football field and nope, nope. This was during a debate. He refused to leave. High five. What? We're talking about a funny meme. Okay, no, but th- it ties directly to this. Wait until you hear what the story is. Obviously, we will have the video in the show notes of this episode. But here's the thing: watch the video. It's a gentleman from either Florida State University or University of Florida. I don't know. But Carrie is speaking, and the kid gets up and he asks specifically about Carrie's involvement with Bush in the Skull and Bones Society. Also, are you a member of, were you a member of Skull and Bones in college with Bush? Were you in the same secret society? That's all right. Let me answer this question. It's so funny. I, I have been so distracted by the hilarious reaction of this gentleman being electrocuted. Right. Didn't even think about the Skull and Bones part. Right. And... If you watch it, he literally asks the question and is immediately attacked by these police officers. Carrie, no, no, no. I, I watched this like four times. He's immediately attacked. I see that, but... <sighs> he was doing nothing wrong. Literally, they were asking for questions from uh-huh. the audience. He stood up, asked this question. Before he actually even got a breath after asking the question, the police yeah. were on him and he's like, what the hell are you guys doing? standing on the stage and he's like no 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 let me answer the gentleman's question yeah they are hauling him off and he's like i will leave if you let go of me i will leave what the hell are you doing get off of me and his hands are up in the air the whole time six police officers freaking tackle him and he's actually screaming don't tase me bro don't sure. tase me which usually means they're gonna tase him and they tase him don't tase me bro don't tase me i didn't do But here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. He's obviously he's a privileged white guy, but everything he's doing in this, he's doing nothing wrong. There's nothing he did to deserve this. So what's his backstory? He really wanted to know what the hell the connection was. He's a bit of a conspiracy theorist. He was like, okay, I want to know what's going on with Skull and Bones because here's the problem. In 2004, a lot of people think that Kerry conceded before he needed to because Ohio was still very, very much Up in, the in question. In theory, if he had pushed and asked for a recount or even pushed through to the point before a recount, he could have possibly won. He said that he backed out because he didn't want to put America through the same thing that happened in 2000. Obviously, the conspiracy theorists say Skull and Bones told him to back down because they wanted to maintain the power they had with GW and they were going to the get what they wanted. Was already in place. Right, exactly. Who knows if that's the case or not, but that was what was driving this kid to ask the question three years later in 2007. And Carrie appears willing to give an answer. Sure. I'm sure he would have given like the same some, answer. The, right, the right. Very vague. But six police officers accost this well, kid. this is where I have a problem. Are you implying that the police were in on this? No, I'm implying that the police were asked to do something, perhaps not even by Carrie, uh-huh. but whoever Carrie's handlers are, whatever. 
but said something like specific like something if, specific like if this topic comes up get the person out of there and my guess is they were local policemen we're not talking about secret service members here right yeah, these so are these are obviously they screwed up because they called more attention to it than they needed to well, but then they made it a funny joke but yeah so it became this funny joke and the whole purpose behind it was lost it, and it actually is a pretty important thing don't get me wrong i am the first person to jump in line for holding a jackass white privileged frat boy accountable but he really did nothing wrong and i watched this video four or five times he's not being violent he's not doing anything to the police officers he's telling them he will leave if they just let him go and they're like dragging him and he's like what the hell did i do why are you doing this i, I forget it's been a long time since i've seen this clip is it the interaction from start to finish or has yes, he it's been the whole interaction start to finish he, he wasn't causing any trouble before nope. whole thing start to finish very interesting yeah the quote that Carrie gave afterwards, he said, I was not aware that a taser was used until after I left the building. I hope that neither the student nor any of the police were injured. I regret enormously that a good, healthy discussion was interrupted. Whoa, whoa. He didn't tell people to kick him out and no, to he, punch them in the face? Or? No, and he literally was telling hmm, the police to leave him like, alone. That's why he lost the election. Right. Well, yeah, obviously. That guy's too nice. Right, Dummy. clearly. Now, this gentleman, Andrew Meyer, unfortunately has gone to the dark side. He works with a man that is only a half step better than Alex Jones, a guy named Mike Cernovich, who's actually mm. been on InfoWars before, certainly a jackalope. Who knows? He probably got some brain cells tased out of him. I don't know. Isn't that interesting, though, you guys? That was one of those things that I had no idea about until I was doing this research. Yeah. I will put a link in the show notes of this episode, too, with further background on the incident and a few more details because it's interesting looking into some of it. And I'm going to watch it a couple times because I know that you're going to be laughing very much. I don't know. Tasing hurts really it's badly. Still but it's to funny to watch other people get tased, though. I don't know that it is. Under it is. any context. It's entertainment. I don't know that it is. Especially if you mute it and then just in your head just go... Do the Britcom music. Yeah. Okay. The last significant historical event slash conspiracy that I'm going to touch on related to the Skull and Bones is something that I'm not going to dive deep into because I'm saving some of the information for an upcoming update on the JFK assassination. Amos and Gifford Pinchot. They were both members of Skull and Bones in the late 1800s. Amos has two daughters had, pardon me. One was Mary, Mary Pinchot, who had an affair with JFK and was murdered, I think, by people connected to JFK's assassination in 1964. She was previously married to Cord Meyer, who had a ton of links to, again, I believe the JFK assassination. I think Cord Meyer had a uh, If you were on JFK's that. Kill the Mistresses team, you got to at some point just be like... John, come on, man. We can't keep doing this. Right, I know. I, I don't think that Mary was killed because she had an affair. She was killed because she knew something about the assassination. And again, I'm not going to get deep into that because that's a whole report that I'm really excited to talk about. The other daughter was married to Ben Bradley, who was head of the Washington Post after working in the propaganda unit of the U.S. government. The Pinchos had a lot of influence over media, politics, etc., with the JFK assassination, much of the proof of the theory that the Bones and the JFK assassination are connected relies on the fact that in 1963, Senior Bush was the president of the Zapata Offshore Oil Company. This brought him back and forth between Texas and Miami on a regular basis, 
The story is he was actually already working for the CIA at that point, even though, according to official records, he wasn't, mm-hmm. but that he was using his time in Miami to recruit Cuban nationals connected to the Bay of Pigs, and that it ended up being that a lot of those Cuban nationals were really happy to collaborate on the assassination of the president, and that that was the foundation upon which the assassination plot was built, and it was all connected and driven by the bonesman through George Bush Sr. What? Anyhow, I'll talk more about it in a future episode. Um, an extra stringboard kit over there. That oh. one was not that complicated. Everybody listening at home followed that. You two were just They're smarter than dumpy. we are. You guys are that's dumpy. E- it's, that's easy for them. After a battle and two rounds of voting by all living members, in 1991, women were finally allowed to join the society. Chances are that the initiation procedures have changed at least somewhat since then. And this was actually reflected in the third film in the Skulls franchise, where a female member is the focus. There are three of three those? Three of those? I had no, no idea. No kidding. Definitely only saw the first yeah, one. Yeah, Joshua Jackson. Which I actually kind of like. Yeah, oh my gosh, good. you want to hear a fun conspiracy detail? Uh, hit me. Paul Walker plays a rich head probably supposed to be kind of like george jr okay in the bone or in in the bones in the skulls came out in 2000 in the movie he drives a red sports car it's a porsche maybe or a corvette uh, i don't know whatever dies in it guess what he died in same car yeah what i mean i don't think it was the exact same model but it was the same brand and it yeah. was red too fast too soon Okay, let's not be mean. Too, th- th- that's really not nice. Poor Paul Walker. I heard he's a great guy. Okay, I heard he was too. Okay. Um, April of last year, some practical joker was having a blast placing really obscene phone calls to people on Yale's campus and claiming that the vulgar questions he was asking were merely the first steps of the tapping process. <laughs> so I just like to picture Philip Seymour Hoffman from Happiness, but uh, prank calling a bunch of Yale students trying to tell them that their school and bones were underneath. Jack. <laughs> school and bones at this point sent a rare communication to all students clarifying that they had nothing to do with this and that the prankster was exploiting the mysterious nature of the society and that they were the true victims. Wow. Yeah. What a prank. Yeah, pretty good. A few notable school and bonesers before we bow out of the episode for the evening. Elrond, come on. Lafayette. I- I would not be surprised if Elrond put in his biography somewhere that he was a member of Skull and Bones. No, that guy starts his own. But he never was a member of Skull and Bones. He goes his own way. William F. Buckley Jr., McGeorge Bundy. Uh, Sam, I don't know if you're familiar with McGeorge Bundy, but... I, think uh, I love that his name. Is he? Oh, yeah. He was one of Scrooge McDuck's rivals in the original run of DuckTales. He was also huge in the War Department. He was a national security advisor to Kennedy. And Johnson. Yeah. He became a CIA official, really high up positions with the Department of State and the DOD. And he headed the Ford Foundation, most notably... For those of us who love the concept of New World Order conspiracies, he chaired the Council on Foreign Relations for nine years. George Jr., Alfred Cowles. Does Cowles make sense? Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a rich person's name. He also was in the journalism business and has had a huge role in presidential primaries in Iowa because of accusations of the ways that 
they print polls and selectively print information. And everybody knows that Iowa's a huge state for primaries. Hugh Cunningham was a CIA fella for 30 years. Wow, career man. Thomas Daniels, he founded the largest agribusiness and grain cartel company in Minnesota. Grain cartel. Love grain cartels. Minnesota. I bet it's the friendliest grain cartel that there is, too. Oh, we'll break your freaking news, Actually, I actually love Minnesota in the Midwest, and it was a terrible impression. I do apologize for it. Russell Wheeler Davenport, who actually created the Fortune 500 companies list in Forbes. Henry P. Davidson, who worked with Harold Stanley to found the investment bank Morgan Stanley. He also worked in the CIA. Avril Harriman, again, the Harriman Railroad family, which has gone back forever. He and his brother ran the bank Brown Brothers Harriman, which was a huge bank early on in the 20th century, also tied to some pretty nefarious things during the Great Depression. Mm. Winston Lord, best name, obviously, he followed up the earlier Bonesman and became the chairman on the Council of Foreign Relations for the subsequent five years. He also worked for the State Department and the CIA. Robert Lovett, another guy, Brown's Brothers Harriman executive. Basically, they are all CIA and controlling bank mm-hmm. or journalism gentlemen. Mm. Okay? So, Current U.S. senators. Oh. And this was from a Bibliotheca Pleiades report that was a few years old. So this could be outdated. But at so this point, have, current U.S. senators. Do you have like blue blocking glasses, but green blocking glasses to read those websites? Senator like Jonathan. Scree- filter that you put on your screen. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Clearly, you guys don't spend time on Bibliotheca Pleiades because it's almost all white background. I don't know what you guys are well, even talking about. I don't know about that. It can, take you to, it can take you to external websites that are green, but all of that is just white. Senator John Bingham. Senator David Boren, Senator John Chaffee, Senator John Heinz, and Senator John Kerry were all... Well, actually, John Heinz was killed in the airplane crash. What he did, was also a legacy bonesman. What did he do wrong? Well, it's the Heinz company, right? Teresa Heinz Kerry. Heinz Ketchup. John Kerry, is, his wife is the heir to the oh, Heinz I didn't know that. Fortune. So incestuous. Oh, my God. Anyhow... Everybody keep me posted if you've got other cool things about the Bonesman that you want to know. And I'm still waiting to hear from someone. There has to be somebody out there yeah. who is a member. Well, before you close the book, I want to know what you think for real. You think... I think there's something to it in the sense that they are selecting really rich and powerful even though they select women now, still primarily men, mm-hmm. and that those men go on to have an inordinate amount of influence over our country, both overtly and covertly. And you don't think it's coincidental because they're already intelligent enough to make it into an Ivy League school. Because I work in college admissions, I know that making it into an Ivy League school doesn't necessarily correlate to intelligence. So no, I don't believe that. You know what's interesting about this though, you guys? I feel like because this is clearly over your heads as cabin boys, I think we should probably move on to talking about the original cabin boy. Oh no. You're talking about the star of the film we're about to talk about. Yeah. Chris Elliott and of course. Fun fact he sleeps in his cabin boy hat every night. Thank you so much for the report and now it's time to review Clara's ghost. Clara. It's spelled Clara. Clara and Clara are spelled the same way. Clara's ghost. Hope you're enjoying your visit here this evening. Now, on with the show. Clara's Ghost is a 2018 comedy, drama, family, 
horror film directed by Bridley Elliott, starring her family. Sam, could you share a little bit about this film? Set over the course of a single evening in the Reynolds family home in suburban Connecticut, Clara's ghost tells the story of Clara Reynolds, who, fed up with the constant ribbing from her self-absorbed showbiz family, finds solace in and guidance from the supernatural force she believes is haunting her. What an interesting flick this week. Yeah. Very interesting, different than what I was anticipating. A uh, different speed. I think well, it has a couple different speeds in it. There's like a speed for the intro, and then there's a speed for the middle section, and then there's a speed for the conclusion. Yeah, I'm going to call it right now. This is this year's Another Evil, and it also feels a little bit like a Nina Forever. Yeah, I would actually say it's more of a Nina Forever. Let's talk about the director. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to say that a lot. It's an interesting concept. Bridley Elliott, who is the daughter of the star, a gentleman named Chris Elliott, which Kelly, you're familiar with Chris. Cabin Boy. Cabin Boy. Shit's Creek. (laughs) Don't have to beep that. No, because it's S-C-H-I-T-T. Popular show. Apostrophe S. My parents enjoy it quite a bit. It's actually pretty fun. He's uh, one of the best character actors out there. He's, He's great. I think I brought this up with you, Byron, but always had this impression that he must be kind of an asshole okay but then after watching this he plays such a jerk such a jerk that i feel like he couldn't play that comedically if he really was that so maybe he's actually pretty nice Mm -hmm. and beyond chris the film also stars bridley herself and britty britty yeah no thanks really yeah sorry you're fine it is britty why doesn't someone protect me? Sorry, I protect just, me, guys. just caught it. Jerked by Br- I thought it was Bridley. That's why I Thank didn't protect you. <laughs> Bridie herself and Abby Elliott, who you guys might know, she had a brief stint on SNL. The first, second generation SNLer. Yeah. Fun fact. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So it's a family affair. Yeah, it's mom, dad, two daughters playing mom, oh, dad, two daughters. I forgot to mention the, the mom, Paula Neidert Elliott. She is the only non-actress in this. Yeah, this was her first role. Okay, let's not say she's a non-actress because she was just in this. So she's clearly an actress. She's clearly an actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she killed it. She did a very great job. I mean, this is basically mirroring reality to a point. Well, I don't know what the Elliot families I mean, I feel like get-togethers they... are like, but if they're anything like this, I hate that I'm not a part of that family. Well, they can't be like this because they're making fun of it and they're presenting themselves as complete hateable jerks. Absolutely. And I was pretty nervous when uh, we locked in on this. Oh, me too. It's definitely not Sam Speed and I was praying that Kelly would have my back on this one. I, I guess we should talk about what our thoughts are. Well, I I will say that the first part of the movie felt like a really crappy attempt to impersonate a Woody Allen movie. Mm-hmm. I definitely wrote down weird and pretentious first impression. Yeah. Which, However, the font of the title screen I really liked. Beautiful typeface. It was, I, th- I thought that was good. I said, okay, well, somebody's doing something right. And uh, Jamie pointed this out to me in a text message, and I agree with her completely. The cinematography was pretty cool. There's some very interesting mm-hmm. shots. I, we actually thought when watching it that you'd be into it because of that wine phone call at the beginning. The wine phone call was really cool. Do you ever call your favorite winery to talk about the uh, fruity overtones? I don't overtones? have favorite wineries. I'm really kind of open and accepting of all wineries. <laughs> and to express your condolences of a loss of a family member. In- no, but... But I would. 
what I thought was hilarious was her, and I don't think Sam thought this was funny at all, but when she lost one of her shoes and went to go report it to the police station, I felt uh, like, huh. At that point, I texted Byron, I'm assuming Clara doesn't get tortured to death later in the film. It's a bit of an off-putting scene, and it kind of absurd for absurd's sake. I thought it, it was, was just funny. I thought it was really funny. Well, and it, A lot of well, it's funny. It did set the tone for this mother being an alcoholic, out of touch kind soul who is ridiculed and beaten up emotionally by her asshole family well, just tamps it all down because she is the only one in this family who is not famous her husband is not a, a jerk well we're just seeing this one day she's they're having, all jerks she's they're narcissistic a, jerks <laughs> but she could be part of it i don't know well i mean she is part of it she gave birth to two of them yeah, but. so chris elliott's character is a famous actor and he has these two daughters who are the stars of a disney type children's show <laughs> See, i got the sense that ted Reynolds was not a famous actor, but was a crappy washed up actor. Well, was the sense that I, I got. I took that he at one point was more famous. That's what I got. I, I, I pictured him as kind of an Eric Roberts, if you will. Well, if I don't know Eric Roberts, then I would disagree. Who's Eric Roberts? If you looked at a picture of him, you'd know him. He's Julia yeah. Roberts' brother. But I mean, but, but he said a couple things like, did you mention that you're my daughter? Right. Which and they're like, I assume no. I assume he has some pull or used to have oh, See, I thought the whole point of that scene was them being like, um, no, if we mentioned you, that would be embarrassing because that would be like mentioning we're Eric Roberts' daughters. I mean, Eric Roberts was in the, that shark movie a couple of years yeah, ago. He's been yeah, in he a was. bunch of really bad I, movies. I'm with Byron on that, though. I got the idea that like he doesn't realize how far he has fallen. Sure. Oh, I agree. I agree with that. He thinks that he's kicking ass and his daughters know that he's washed up and they're like embarrassed of him. But I think he was big at one point. Yeah, or something. This film from the beginning was kind of a tough one to enjoy because of the lack of any sort of real likable protagonist. See, I know you're kind of on the side liked of Clara. Clara, but I found her a little off-putting. As soon as Joe enters the scene, though, their family drug <sighs> dealer, Joe played by Haley Joel Osment. The best. He's very likable. You want him to win. And you know he just wants to make out with Clara the whole time. Well. And you just are like, oh, Haley, you're so sweet and fluffy these days. <laughs> don't, don't need. To, I mean, it's very gentle of you to call him that. He's fluffy. I think he's. he's he has to have hair that sticks. This like seems poofy. soft and pedible. Appreciate. Is he married? Uh, are you going to leave Sam for Haley Joel Osment? Maybe. All we'll right. look into it. I thought his performance was incredible. It felt really, really natural. And he's one of the more likable guys. on. Well, he's the only likable yeah. person on screen. I think beyond being likable, he is the only touchstone that you have with reality. Because you're sure. thrust into this bombardment of just inane, mean, back and forth where everyone's talking over. Holy Nikes, I just described our podcast. That's pretty sad, yeah. <laughs> a lot of realization. <laughs> uh, and, and plus, we would uh, all need to be drunk though for that to be. Plus, a descent into madness story. Yeah, very. Yeah, exactly. Which so it creeps in podcast. I and mean, who's the mad one? Three people are looking at one person. He's quite a golfer, it turns out. Are you digging into Haley? Yeah. All right. Well, I like golfing. This could work. I mean, we just barely scratched the surface of what makes this film scary, which is Clara's spiral. Yeah. Which who knows how long it's been going on. This day in particular, it's especially bad. And See, I didn't feel like it was a spiral. I felt like she was finally getting on top of her game and she was going to murder her entire family. Okay, but she saw... The ghost of the person whose house... Adelia. Uh-huh. Who, I don't know if you guys listen carefully to the backstory, but the house was built by a captain. It was a captain. Uh-huh. A ship captain. For his daughter. Yes, it was. Adelia. And there was some tragic story attached to it. 
but Adelia clearly wanted in. So it was kind of vampire-y. Like, she had to let Adelia in. I didn't really get that. The story was that the captain built the house for his daughter, and the daughter, quickly after it was built, went insane. She went missing. Yeah, he killed himself in the woods. Yes. Which is kind of a confusing story. It's also possible we missed part of it. Well, it was kind of peppered in throughout, but Clara sees this ghost, which she does let into the house. Let into the house. The whole point is she's letting her into her Her house, which is actually the Elliot house. That's their real house. Is that really their house? Absolutely. That's so creepy. Which is really interesting. This film, directed by Chris Elliott's daughter, Brittany. That's a weird name. It sure is. It stars her entire family, and it's in the Elliot house. It's such a personal project, and they actually did a Kickstarter for this. Oh, yeah. The weird stand-up comedy routine that they're talking about. They did that whole thing in the movie because one of their biggest Kickstarter backers was whatever freaking comedian they were talking about. Yeah. And so he got like a whole scene in the movie that made no sense Absolutely. at all. I mean, there's a lot oh, of things that don't necessarily make sense because of the night of debauchery that they're having to celebrate the birthday of their dog, Ollie. Who is with Joe, one of the two only normal characters in the movie. <sighs> like, I guess normals, you know relative but these people are fucking weird i think we have to i mean I, it's important to say that i don't think if you're expecting a horror movie like a grab you by your throat scare the crap out of you lose sleep over it horror movie i mean this isn't that it's like a, it's a different kind of tension and it is horrible the way that these people go through life and when you're trapped in the house with them it's it's awful really unpleasant mm-hmm. you mentioned before the podcast started you compared this to the first half of the invitation yeah i think that is accurate it's i guess social horror i don't know how else to say it but mm-hmm. you just get that claustrophobic sense that why or why do they subject themselves to this why doesn't somebody leave why are they all so terrible oh i got a bit of an update guys oh sure he seems pretty cool but last february he had like a breakdown at the airport in vegas and was a complete Haley. jerk Haley. yeah and he actually said I'll destroy you to the gate agent because the flight was full and they weren't going to let him on. And apparently, according to bystanders, he even pulled the do you know who I am card. Well, it's better than him doing I see dumb people or something. Well, I mean, Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a deal breaker to me, though. That should be a bumper sticker. (laughs) I mean. He did apologize afterwards, it looked like, but still. uh, I don't know. Sorry, that was it. It was no, just an update. A, that's a great update. It was important. Uh, a couple brief things. Larry Fessenden, really great performance. Really spicy. He thing didn't of. die. He Did didn't. you guys notice that he didn't die? Maybe he went home and had an overdose or something. Crashed a have. car. Yeah, I could I have. Know, but... Choked on a hard-boiled egg from the bar. Totally I actually thought that maybe when they were doing the photo with him, at one point, one of the sisters had a really grotesque look on her face because she was so disgusted by him. I thought maybe they were going to take a photo and it was going to show that face, and then he was going to be sad about it and off himself. But I. It, she yeah. changed her face right at the last minute to a happy face. Well, that's nice. I, I mean, I guess it was nice. They were really mean about how much he stank. Yeah, they said they could smell him on them. But they like made a big deal of it right after he walked away where when he obviously would have still been able to hear them. So I was like, why didn't you just do it in front of him? Because they're terrible people. They are terrible. Right. But this scene led to, I think, my funniest thing, which is such a small part of this film. When the waitress comes back and startles Clara, I laughed out loud. Do you remember that? 
She says, yeah. how's everything going? She just yells in the middle. I mean, she kind of, Clara reminds me of how I'm probably going to be when I'm 50. It was great. I thought that was Couldn't really funny. Couldn't you guys see me as Clara? Why. Just dancing by myself. Total alcoholic, apparently. Well, I hope I won't be an alcoholic. Yeah, but my, great. I'm so excited for this. She drank so much. I think they all did. But yeah. like just vodka after vodka after. I'm like, wow, one glass of that, and I'd be just on the floor sleeping. You got a lot of years to live up to that. I guess yeah. I'll, I'll work on it. Okay. Any other standout scenes that you dug in this? I did like the sober up. Speaking of wasted on vodka, yeah, they have a very interesting way of doing that. Ice water does not. Here you go, kids. Yeah. Pro tip: Ice water does not sober you up. No matter how long you keep your head in Nope. Even if Chris Elliott is attempting to drown you in it, uh, still doesn't... Although, okay, one of the things I took away from this movie, the pro tip, Clara asking her husband to hold her neck back while oh, they were taking so a photo. Funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Sam, I'm going to have you do that for me every time pinch now. Pinch your neck to give the illusion of a tighter face. Right. I'm like, yes, this is good stuff. Awful. And I am the kind of person that will do that because... I'm, I'm not going to do that. He's not going to do that. I'm, I'm that? definitely not going to do that. Guy. He does not look great in a swimsuit. I'm not going to lie. Please. I'm sorry. I'm your husband. Oh, I am not going to lie. It is oh, not impressive. Oh, I thought we were talking leave about Haley me. Alone. Really Who cares? He's swimming. Let the man recreate. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of my favorite scenes was the, the slowly increasing in intensity harmonies during the happy birthday song for their dog. Yeah. Because they're all... The competitive... <laughs> Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah. I, I don't know, guys. Although this is definitely not the scariest film we've watched this year or last year or in the history of this podcast, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this. Started off real nervous, but by the end, they really earned their Orion Classics title card. This was. I thought we were watching the wrong movie. Oh, you thought you got a VHS copy of uh, ET or something? Yeah, well, I don't know what it was, but that was my first. Sorry, that was my first sign that maybe something's special about this. Yeah, I, I dug it. It definitely has some dark moments, and it gets somewhere. Maybe not full horror, but I, I yeah, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, it's always fun to get a glimpse. In, well, it's not fun to get a glimpse into the toxic side of the entertainment industry, but they made it entertaining. And for a family affair that could have relied heavily on favors, they did it a different way, and they were successful. And for that reason, I give it 6.8 Moscow Mules, not in copper mugs. Oh, right. Right. That was good. I was not expecting to like this movie. Byron said we were going to watch something weird, which, <laughs> I, I mean, in the interest of saving him the extra cuts, I'm not going to go into how that makes me feel. <laughs> but I was I was really pleasantly surprised. And the more we've talked about this movie, the more we've reflected on it, and the more I've thought about it, the more I liked it. I, I think once you get over the idea that, wow, I mean, I'm supposed to hate everything that's happening and hate all these people. That's the mark of a truly good film. You know, the creator, the director, writer are making you feel the way that they want you to feel and very effectively. I, I don't think this is a horror movie. It was, it, it was fair. tense. Fair to say. I, <laughs> I don't mean that to take anything away from it. But if, like I said, if you're expecting Friday the 13th Part 15, this is not it. It's a quiet, loud movie. Mm. But, you know, I, I, I liked it a lot. And I'm going to give it 6.2 Naked Midnight Walks. Got off to a rough start with being fake Woody Allen, but it turned into something interesting enough. I also, I don't know if we talked about this, but I kind of liked... talked enough about Haley Joel. But the score, I thought, was kind of fun. It was very, very simple. I really liked the way that drove it. 
the sisters were really hateable. Like, I really hated them. I really hated Chris Elliott. Hoping none of these people are like that in real life. And I'm also hoping that I don't become like Clara. 6.9 pictures of Haley Joel Osment and swim trunks. And those are your thoughts on Haley Joel Osment and our thoughts on Clara's Ghost, which is available now on VOD, Amazon, everywhere. Give her a watch. And when you do, let us know what you thought. Tweet us at Fright Day on Twitter. Instagram is the same thing. DM us and like our things. Leave a comment below this episode in the show note at FrightDay.com or you can send us an email contact at FrightDay.com. And of course, as always, let's have a discussion about this in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Fright Day. That's actually the place where I learned first about Channel Zero being canceled. So you guys are on the polls over there. Yeah, we have a lot of awesome people <sighs> keeping us up to date. Doing our work for us. Mm-hmm. And if you like this show and want to help us make it even better, grab something spooky at shop.frightday.com. It's a dark, bleak, cold time of the year. What better time to pick up the black and white classic edition of our Too Cool for School logo t-shirt? Totes, my goats. Because there's nothing colder than black, but it might warm your body. I don't know. I don't know. Black, hot, white, cold, right? I, I don't it's, know. I don't know, man. Lots of stuff there. Enjoying the Academy, pins, patches, that glow-in-the-dark shirt. It's a lot of fun. It's amazing. Sometimes the power goes out in the winter. Incredible. Maybe. It's, didn't you start losing fingers after you screen those the glow will not kill you that i can guarantee did you hear that Haley joel's gonna be in the bundy movie and we're a, yes i did know that i will allow that interjection okay. just making sure you know very aware of that it's gonna be great uh our voices are gonna stop here in a few minutes yes maybe even one who knows mm. but they don't have to lots going on at patreon.com slash right day and when I say lots, I mean lots because... Lots, lots, lots. Kelly? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the first episode of the podcast you forced upon us. Not you, but the audience, apparently. Forced upon us like a uh, uh, boner pledge drinking whatever they drink. I bet it's probably not hams. They're nat- natty ice folk. Yeah. Toast to Toast, PM with Wine Kelly, episode one, Gremlins, is up now. And this, uh, Kelly, it's a very hard concept to explain. Can you help me out? I drink wine and I talk about a movie the way I want to talk about a movie. Boy, that really actually summed it up nicely. Yep. And if that sounds like something that you need to hear, and you do, honestly. Yeah, because it's, it's good. It's something to witness. Support us at the $4 level or higher. You also get access to all kinds of stuff. Like, Kelly, you're reading a tale, chapter by chapter. Yeah, we'll finish it sometime in 2020. The Wendigo by Algernon Blackwood. And so much other stuff. Episodes of Captain Kelly's Cryptids and Conspiracies. That Jersey Devil episode still gets me. A lot of fun. Yeah. Byron's Serial Corner, The Writer's Room just recorded their episode about this upcoming year in horror. I just got to thinking about something. How expensive is it to get wine glasses etched? I feel like we should do wine glasses etched with the Wine Kelly, uh, Toast to Toast with Wine Kelly logo. Cinema autopsy. It's a really good logo. It's a podcast where we dissect the classics and talk over them it's like a commentary track you get access to all of that and so much more when you support us at patreon.com slash fright day so many of you do this already and uh, i just want to give a quick shout out to a few who have recently 
thanks so much to Skyla and Shannon. Your support really does mean a lot to us, and you're the reason we can keep doing this show. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it that you fit us into your budget. It means a lot. It means a ton. Most helpful of all, leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way to get us in New Year's and Up charts. Next week, playing a little bit of catch-up, Suspiria is going to be available physically and on VOD. We're going to talk all about that. I will be wearing a leotard and a tutu all in crimson. Well, the whole episode's going to be choreographed, so tune in, folks. It's going to be great. Tom York is actually doing our intro for that episode. Why do you hate him so much? Well, we'll save it for next week. God, I love him. Kelly, until then, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kelly Friday. You can email me Kelly at Friday.com. I'm at Sam Friday. Email me Sam at Friday.com. Instagram Sam underscore Milo Dragovich. And I'm at Byron McCoy on Twitter and Instagram. Byron at Friday.com is my email address. And until next Friday, I'm Byron. I'm Kelly. And I'm Sam. Be good to your family. Have a good family. listening to an audio wool original produced by byron mccoy theme music provided by cemeteries for more programs like this visit audiowool.co